Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Dan Betts, who's the executive chairman and CEO of Hummingbird Resources, a junior mining company who are listed on the London AIM Exchange and are leading multi-asset, multi-jurisdiction, gold production, development and exploration company with two two gold core uh, projects in Mali and Guinea. Um, Dan founded Hummingbird in 2005 and has successfully taken the company from grassroots exploration business to a listed producing mining company. The Betts family business has been around since 1760 um, and is the oldest uh, privately owned gold bullion and smelter refinery in the country, which is the UK. Um, So there's a strong and long history of working in the precious metals industry. Um, Dan's going to, going to be talk, talking about the company's growth um, and what they've achieved to date um, and what the outlook of the company is uh, for the remainder of the year and further. So that's welcome, Dan, to the podcast. How are you doing, Dan? Hi, Rob. Thanks very much for having me on. I'm good, thanks. That's good. And I appreciate your time as well. Um, as we always start these podcasts off, I just wonder if you can give our audience um, a little bit about your, uh, little bit, a little bit about yourself, your career. Obviously, I mentioned the family business has been around for uh, well since 1760. So obviously, you've got a long history in the in in the precious metal space. So I just wanted to just tell audience a little bit about the family and and yourself to sort of present day. Yeah, sure, Rob. So well, as as you say, so I grew up in Birmingham. We have a, a family business there that my brother and I are the ninth generation to be involved in that. My, my brother runs that business. It smelts and refines precious metals. When I left university, I worked for um, a company called Accenture, a big business consulting firm. And then after a few years, I left Accenture and I went to work in the family business. And the family business smelts and refines precious metals, and then it makes prefabricated products that it sells into the dental, jewelry, medical world, any, any industry that needs precious metal applications and it does and it's effectively a recycling business and that's great and there's lots of opportunity there and it's very exciting in its own right and actually there's some crossover with what we're now doing in terms of traceability of gold all the way through to mining but you know I was much younger then as you say back in 25 I mean 2005 and one of the things about the gold industry that we have lived in for 250 years is it's a very small network trading gold all around the world, lots of interesting connections. And um, just one of those conversations led to uh, a conversation with the government of Liberia, who were asking us to help them find international investors just after the civil war had ended. And I was like, you know, as as I say, much younger, no family at the time. I was like, this is awesome, boys adventure. And I I got on a plane with dad, went out to Liberia and um, rather than help them find investors, I was like, well, we can do this ourselves, because obviously I didn't have a clue what I was talking about. So we set up a company called Hummingbird Resources and started exploring. And when I say started exploring, I really mean like a Land Rover that we hired and a chainsaw and a spade. And we went out to the to the jungle and um, 
to be honest, it's like 15 years or longer now of just sucking on a fire hydrant of information. I mean, it started with how do we how do we peg a license? How do we map it? How do we take stream sediment samples and soil samples and then drilling and develop a resource? And then it's the whole ESG piece, the impact you're having on the environment and the community and how do you finance a project? How do you do a feasibility study? And all of that is like, you know, it's all you're learning as you go all the way the way through. And I would say, you know, for me, that's been one of our greatest strengths because I've only been able to see a couple of problems ahead. I haven't seen the whole ecosystem of mining. So you're not too terrified. If I, if I knew what I know now, there's just no way you'd ever start on something as crazy as mining. There are just too many risks. But actually, if you can only see certain way down the road, it's the same with anything in life. Then you're like, okay, I can, I can handle that risk. And anyway, to sort of bring the story back to, to where we are, we were very successful in Liberia in terms of exploration. We probably made the biggest gold discovery in West Africa. And um, we took, you know, we found 4 million ounces of gold at, at Dubi in Southeast Liberia. And um, then it starts to become real. How do you hold this deposit to account? How do you make it economic? How do you build it? How do you finance it? We obviously listed the hummingbird at the time on AIM as, a, as an explorer, saying that we would find this gold, which we did. But then we found ourselves learning the hard lessons of life. You know, the market does what the market does. It doesn't really care. And the market was going down. Juniors were being slaughtered. At a tiny market cap, there was no way we were going to be able to fund the development of Doobie. So we kind of left... Having had this great success, having not actually created any meaningful business out of it, and we're like, well, what are we going to do? We're going to go bust here if we keep chasing this. So we ended up taking a bit of a tangential turn, and we bought a, a project called Yamfalila out of Goldfields, which was um, which is now the Yamfalila mine in Mali that we run. But they had been trying to find a much bigger project, and it, it wasn't big enough for them. So they sort of not non-core. We were able to do a deal we could fund. We rescoped it. We were able to finance it, and we built the Amphalila. We built it on time, on budget. Uh, you know, we ramped up, went through commissioning. Everything was great, and that's now been operating for five years. Paid back all the debt. We can go into operating performance and the the, the learning of then transitioning again from being a developer to an operator, which is a huge challenge. You know, not many people ever cross that bridge. I don't think in the mining world, most people build a project and, and sell it to a miner. And now, you know, here we are just on the verge of turning our second mine on. So we bought another project in Guinea. And over the last couple of years, through COVID, inflation, all the rest of it, we have successfully built that project to start pouring gold, well, this quarter. And then we will be a multi-jurisdictional gold producer. And I think that underpins it's all the result of learning over the last, you know, so many years. But it's a very high risk game and you need to be balanced. You need to have diversification to manage the risk. If uh, there's a problem with operationally at a mine or politically in a country or some, you know, you need to have many legs to your stool so that you can um, keep the business alive and keep developing it. And, and that's where we're at, Rob. We're trying to refine our ability to be a grown up mining company in terms of operations. We want to build more mines. We want to build a bigger company and diversify and, and build a, a great gold mining business. Obviously, you mentioned that you started a company back in 2005 and it was obviously a steep learning curve. And you've obviously become, you've transformed uh, from a um, developer to an operator. Is there anything that you would have changed 
during that whole period of time? Oh, God. I could write a book on it, Rob. I mean, um, <laughs> no, loads of stuff. You know, we've made we've made loads of mistakes along the way, but I mean, we're still here. So I think as long as you can be honest about those mistakes and, and learn from them and hopefully not make them again. I mean, one of the mistakes I'd say right at the start was we were very gung-ho. You know, we we're going to do everything ourselves. We we're going to build everything in-house. We're like, we over-recruited. And actually, when you're at that stage and you, you haven't even drilled a hole, you have no idea whether you've got anything potentially economic or not. There's a whole industry of consultants and people that you can hire in for a week, for a month, for six months to do a job. And then they're not, you know, once you employ people, it's a massive responsibility. You know, they are part of your company and that's a real living, breathing thing. And it's a huge responsibility and it's very difficult to change direction when you've got overhead, which I'm sure we'll come on to talking about Jan Falila. But, you know, Hummingbird now employs well over a thousand people. It'll be sort of getting on for 2000 people when Karusha is up and running at um, full, full, full speed. So I would have taken that slower, I think, and been more certain in my footing on the, the stability of the business. Um, so I just wonder if you can obviously just describe the, uh, the progress of the, the company has made over the last six months. Um, obviously, uh, your operation at Jan Freely uh, Gold Mine in Mali. Sure. So, so as I say, we, you know, Yamfleet was our first mine. It is our first mine, and it was a great success in terms of um, commissioning, construction, ramp up, first couple of years of production. But you know, it's had some challenges in the last couple of years. They've been well documented in terms of operating um, effectively, and that was a real challenge for us as a company. I mean, we missed guidance. We were losing confidence of uh, our investors in the market, and we needed to turn it around we needed to turn around our operating performance and i think you know i don't i don't want to claim victory and but i think we're well on the way to having done that and what we've done is we've made some pretty serious management changes at site and throughout the company um not least the general manager at yam falila that we bought in he, you know he is an expat but he's lived his life or great part of it actually in mali running other mines there um, much more ingratiated and ingrained in the culture and the economy of the place where we're working. And that leads on to my next point. I mean, we've made a lot of reduction over the last um, 12 months in terms of ex-plat employees at the mine, which is actually much harder to do than it might sound because when you're faced with problems, something's going wrong, whether it's the maintenance on the mining fleet or the geology or the drill and blaster you're like you've got a problem you throw resources at it you kind of like in the management role that i'm in you're like okay here's a problem how do i solve it throw resources at it and you're slightly blinded by the world you live in so for me it's the expat world and these you know experts you throw more experts at it and actually they're very expensive and you get too many of them they all have different views and it gets a bit complicated and you have to it's a, it's a bit counterintuitive but you have to trust your real poor people you have to get the right people and and then you have to trust them and so in our new general manager you know he's confident in what he's doing and he said look we need to reduce this reduce that we don't need these people this is too much confusion keep this simple and we've gone with it and um you know it's great obviously on your cost base and those cost uh, reductions are coming through that we can you know be able to show people but at the time it, it feels like oh my god we need more resources and you're making a decision to take less it's quite um Right. it's a difficult thing to do. We have a lot more support into the business at Yamfalila for the contract mining 
operation. The contract miner, so so some mines do the mining in-house. We've always contracted out. I'd say most juniors and mid-tier companies use contract miners. And um, we've also had a contract miner. We had a pretty challenging relationship with them. They were unable to maintain the fleet to do the volumes that we needed. So we needed to bring in augmented fleet, extra services, extra staff to support that operation. And um, that's been... It's been a challenge because it's obviously not totally within your control. It's a, a third-party thing. Um, but look, I think all of that Q4 results were much better. If you compare Q2 last year to Q4, a lot of that was operational performance and, and management changes as opposed to differences in the mine plan and the grade and geology of mining. So I think that has and is continuing to pay dividends. And where we want to get to is... We just want to be more predictable. We, we want to be able to say, this is what we're doing and do it rather than get hit by surprises and react and constantly. And honestly, I think that is a process of growing up and learning. The more mistakes you overcome, the, the better your processes and systems will be. Um, just moving on to your um, other project, uh, Carossa in uh, Guinea, uh, which is a high grade gold project. Um, you're coming along to ahead of your first port in late quarter two. Um, what will will remain for Hummingbird's production profile? I mean, it's massive for us, Rob. I mean, it will more than double our production profile. As you say, Caruso is super high grade in the open pit. So uh, we're building a, a million ton a year plant there. We are within touching distance of um, practical completion, which is where you finish the plant and, the, and handing that over for commissioning. Um, it's busy as hell at the site at the moment, you know, mobilization of extra mining fleet, all going onto the ROM pad, gearing up for operational readiness, employing operators as opposed to developers, um, getting ready for commissioning electrical systems, uh, pumps, pipes, every, you know, checking everything works. Um, well, it will take a while to ramp up to a steady state operation. You know, I mean, these things can take anything from couple of months to 12 months i mean hopefully we'll be much quicker than that and I, i'm optimistic that everything looks really good at Carusa for steady state production you know definitely in this year and as i say that will more than double our run rate to make hummingbird a more than a 200,000 ounce a year producer which is a significant you know if you think where we started this talk and where we came from with the spade and the land rover i know that the road is not straight and it meanders all over the place but that's a I think that's an amazing achievement for the team, really. Yeah, certainly. Um, can you just give us um, some details around the significance of the latest fundraise um, and where the proceeds will be uh, will be spent? Um, and also, what is the significance of the CIG investment? Um, your obviously new strategic partner. So, I mean. Um... As a shareholder, shareholders never want to see dilution in a company. So we were very, when, when we made this strategic placement, there were lots of reasons and thoughts that went into it. Um, and we were very keen to offer investment to existing shareholders at the same term. So, you know, it was fair and everyone had access to it. But as I alluded to earlier, you know, when we were building Carusa, um, the financing was from internal cash flows from Jan Falila and our banking partner, Chorus Bank. And we were fully funded to build the mine. And as I alluded to, you know, Jan Falila has not performed as well as it should have done historically in 21, 22. And as a result, there was a potential cash uh, 
a hole in our capital budget for building Carusa. And the worst thing you can do is stop a project when you've got a thousand people mobilized and you're full steam ahead and you're building them. If you stop, you can't just stop and start like all these contracts. I mean, it'd be, it's a disaster. So we had to fill that hole and we did it by way of the strategic placement um, which the, the primary driver is strengthen the balance sheet, make sure there's no delay at Carusa and give us a bit of extra firepower to fast track exploration to increase the equity story, the exploration play and, and the mine life at Carusa. But there was, there was more reason to it than just we need money. So, you know, CIG is, um, you know, it's um, related to our banking partner and strategically super supportive of Hummingbird and shares our vision to grow a gold company. So, you've got a strategic shareholder who's really aligned with us in our ambitions to not just deliver Carusa, but to build a, a world-class gold mining company that we're proud of. And they've got the firepower and the uh, long-sightedness to support us in that. So, you know, for me, it's absolutely massive. If you look at the successful mining companies, and that's something I always try and do is, you know, look people have succeeded or companies that have succeeded and try and understand their model. And I would look at Endeavor as a perfect example of that. And they've had a core strategic shareholder who's backed them and supported them. The market gets confidence with that and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And in CIG Group, we have a, a similar partner, you know, someone who can support us on that journey. So I think it's, um, I think it's a fantastic uh, development. Um, why don't you just provide us with more of an insight into the exploration upside potential um, across your portfolio? Sure. So that, that's a good question. I mean, um, let's start with Yanfalila first, which is our operating mine. Yanfalila we bought from Goldfields, who had done a pretty systematic uh, exploration program over the whole region. And I think that the future of Yanfalila will be to... Uh, change the scope, probably reduce the uh, output in the future and focus more on the underground developments where there's completely open resources, high-grade under Kamana East and potentially at Gonka. And the main feedstock for that mine will be underground, higher-grade, slightly lower ounce output, uh, but hopefully much longer mine life. And the exploration attention needs to be focused on that as we develop the underline at Kamana East. But there are still other satellite deposits where there are extensions up at San Amali and, and Gonka. At Caruso, where we're about to come on stream, it has a short mine life at the moment, but super high grade with a super high payback period. But we are very confident that, and there's one of the reasons why we have committed to building the mine. We, we didn't build it for a six year mine life. We built it for hopefully a 20 year mine life. And obviously we need to invest in exploration to prove that. But the system is super well endowed. I mean, you look at predictive discoveries and Kinero just down the road, they're in probably the same system. You look at prospects on our license that have not been systematically explored that we're starting to develop an exploration program for now. Um, I think exploration and mine life growth at Carusa is probably, probably one of the most exciting value drivers in Hummingbird at the moment, because obviously, you know, if, in simple maths, if you're, if you're doing 100,000 ounces a year at a $1,000 ASIC, then gold's 2,000, you're making 100 million a year. So every mine, every year you add to the mine life, you, if you pay back the mine, you've got $100 million to equity holders. So if you can start to give the market confidence 
that it's not just one year, one year. It's not like a little narrow vein thing where you're, if you can show, look, there's serious expiration potential here and we can really take this from short mine life to 20 year mine life. The equity story is huge. Yeah, certainly. Um, why don't you just talk about your uh, Dugby uh, gold project in Liberia? Um, and how do you see that adding to the company's value over the coming years? Well, the Doobie project, hey? I mean, this is where it all started and where we found it from scratch. And, um, I, you know, I, it's a little bit like you go to market and there's, a, there's something that, like, it, the story is old. People, I think the UK market has lost interest in Doobie and that's a challenge. They don't really believe it's um, a project, but all wrong Rob. i mean it's an amazing project so what what happened was we had this big discovery and we couldn't finance it so we went left field and it became a bit of an orphan we then partnered a canadian group called pasafino in stalker and steve tells and they have bought approximately 30 million dollars which they've invested to re-look at re-drill re-analyze the resource and do a world-class feasibility study on the Doobie project, which they've done and they've completed, and that's all out, you know, NI431 compliant, up on CDAR, everyone can see that um, work. And the terms of the deal with Pasafino can earn 49% interest in the project or or the company Pasafino, however it's structured. What means is Hummingbird retains 51% interest in the asset. And the NPV on that project, I mean, over $2,000 gold, we haven't even done the maths, but it will be well over a billion dollars of NPV in Doobie at the moment. And the market's effectively valuing it as like, you're not going to fund it, you know, is it going to get developed, isn't it? I mean, I think Pasafino's value is 18 million pounds. So I think the optionality value of Doobie in itself is worth more than the entire market cap of Hummingbird. It's crazy. So the challenge is how do we demonstrate that value and unlock it? in a cynical market to to, to to the market, to investors. Obviously, from our point of view in Hummingbird, if you go back a year, we would have been uh, keen to sell it because we needed the money to fill the hole to get Carusa up and running. But we've done that. Like Carusa is done and it's happening. So our mindset is much more, we're much more um, sanguine about it now, a bit more, if, if the right deal comes along, we're open-minded. If it doesn't, we are continuing to look at ways we can develop it ourselves. I mean, it's still, I mean, I think the CapEx on the project is $400 million. It's obviously a huge um, mouthful for a small company like Hummingbird to take. So there's a lot of people out there with deep pockets who are looking for gold. And um, I think that we just need to keep developing the asset, keep looking at ways to optimize the project. And there are some, you know, power being a big one and keep, um, driving it forward just want to give our audience an overview of what the west african market is like at the moment the environment um obviously there's conflicting stories wherever you read over the obviously last six months 12 months i just want to just give our audience an overview of what the environment is like especially in the countries that you're mining in Mali and guinea well, I mean, look, let's start with the bad bit. You know, there, there, there's um, there's always challenges. You know, Africa has its challenges, whether they're operational and logistical or um, health issues or uh, geopolitical issues, security issues. They're all different as well. Every country has its own challenges. So 
we, we operate in an environment with a lot of challenge, but I think it's still an environment that is pro-investment, pro-mining. Um, there's, there's a much more skilled workforce than people might think. If you look at the last three years, there's probably been four coup d'etats across Burkina, Mali and Guinea where we've been operating. There hasn't been a single example of disruption, of um, expropriation of assets, of the things that the communities um worried about they you know there's always talk of oh the government's going to rip up the mining code and introduce a new one but in reality in my experience they're very supportive of mining you know obviously they they, they want to make sure they're maximizing their take and that's only right you know they're, they're ultimately we're renting the resources and exploiting them for shared benefit and that's the point of a mining code but that's that's the um that's the balance of business, isn't it? They need to attract investment, but they need to make sure they're getting a fair take. We need to make sure we're operating responsibly and giving them a fair take. But at the same time, investment is worth the risk for our shareholders and investors. So as an investor looking at West Africa, I think probably the biggest noise I hear at the moment is security risk. You know, the French have pulled out, there's Wagner Group all over the place, what's happening. I mean, it's a big place, Rob. There's a there's a lot of places that are slightly lawless. Um, there's definitely a jihadi uprising in northern Mali, places in Burkina. Where we are operating, we haven't seen any interruption at all. And that's specific to Mali and Burkina as opposed to Guinea. You know, Guinea doesn't have that particular issue. Um, Guinea is um, logistically, I'd say, challenging. But, I mean, we are just about to complete a mine on time and on budget. So... Despite the change of regime, that, that should give people confidence that it, it's a supportive regime for mining. So I think you're always scared of what you don't know. And the more you see, the more you're, you're prepared to, um, to manage it. Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, and lastly, in concluding, um, what's the outlook for Hummingbird for the remainder of this year going into next year? And if there's anything else that you'd like to add um, and obviously like to tell our audience. No, well, the outlook for the rest of this year is, I mean, you know, we're still um, continuing to make improvements operationally and operations are continuing uh, well, Yang for Leela. So, you know, I'm hoping, I think, you know, the guidance for the year was 80 to 90,000 ounces um, at $1,500 at Yang for Leela. I mean, um, I mean, our Q1s are out soon. I don't have the results, but I'm, I'm sure they're well on track to meet that. And I'm sure Q2 will continue in that vein. So, Positive momentum in the operating space of Yamfalila, which is a big focus, but obviously ramping up Carusa, getting it to steady nameplate and adding steady state, you know, 10, 10 plus thousand ounces a, a month if we could. That's the focus. And I think it's transformational for the company. So, you know, we're always looking at um, ways to improve and opportunities to develop and drive Liberia forward. But those are the two main drivers for us. You know, steady state Yamfalila, solid commissioning and ramp up at Caruso, focus on exploration in that equity story and um, yeah, keep going. Great. Dan, really appreciate your time. Thank you for obviously sharing your story and obviously the story of Hummingbird. Um, obviously wish you well for the remainder of this year uh, and obviously going into next year. It'd be great if you could come onto the podcast either later this year or uh, again next year to give us an update um, and obviously both the both the projects and you never know um, Digby could be uh, up and running by then as well
Thanks, Rob. Much appreciated. Thanks for yeah. your time. No worries. Um, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Please uh, keep, um, really appreciate your continued support. Um, please keep sharing these episodes. Um, this is a another another great episode where um, a mining company has developed two two gold mines um, and obviously looking to um, develop further more of their assets, especially in the gold space. So appreciate your continued support. Please keep sharing this episode. And until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.